Friends, grace and peace to you in Jesus' name. Amen. My daughter started to receive Holy Communion when she was about six or seven months old, but it wasn't until she was almost five that she had kind of a strange experience with this meal. My family usually sits pretty close to the very back row because Lutheran, right? And so that particular Sunday, too many people had come to church, right? It's a huge problem when too many people come to worship. And so by the time they got up to the front, all of the good, sweet Hawaiian Jesus was gone, and all that we had left were these little, flat, styrofoam chips, right? And so my daughter comes up, and I hand her one of these, and I say, child of God, this is the body of Christ given for you. And she took it from me, and she held it up with this very bizarre look on her face, and she said in her quietest stage whisper, what is this? <laughs> and I, I chuckled, and I leaned over his much quieter whisper, and I said, well, believe it or not, honey, it's bread. She looked at me, a little hesitant, but she placed it on her tongue and let it dissolve like a Listerine breath strip, and she went back to her seat with not quite sure what she had just experienced. What is this? Right? Now, i got to admit, I'm with her. I find it hard to believe that those little, you know, pasty wafers are actually bread. However, to be fair, that is the only bread that our homebound folks or people who live in nursing homes or uh, people who are in the hospital or in hospice care, it's the only bread they receive when they receive Holy Communion. Right? That's what goes with me in the little box of Jesus that stays up in the front seat of my car when we take the meal to those who can't come here. And as good Lutheran Christians, we believe that in that meal, in those little wafers, really, by some gracious mystery, the full presence of God and God's own Son are there, in, with, and under this little chip. Jesus Christ is present. If you doubt that that is the case, just come with me sometime to share that meal, especially with someone who may be sharing it for the last time. First time that ever happened to me, I was in Toledo, Ohio, uh, doing my internship. And I was called to go visit someone I had visited fairly regularly, but they were in the hospital and the family was surrounding her and they had decided to give her over into the care of hospice for her final days. And so as we you know, prayed together, they wanted to share that meal. So I brought the little box of Jesus, and we read the scriptures, and we prayed, and we said those words that Jesus said on the night in which he was betrayed. Now, she had been fairly advanced in her illness for quite some time. She could barely speak. Her mouth was kind of glued shut, so we had to moisten it with one of those you know, sponges on a stick. And then we broke the wafers up into tiny pieces and soaked them in Mogan David and placed it on her tongue. And as we did, I said, Norma, child of God, this is the body and blood of Jesus Christ given and shed for you. And tears ran down her cheeks. And you could tell that she believed in her heart of hearts 
that she had just received the full gifts of God's grace. That everything God has to offer had been given to her on that day. She had been visited by her Lord. What is this? It's grace. Pure, unadulterated grace given by God for the life of the world. Now, my daughter doesn't know this, but because she is a pastor's child, it means that she is genetically predisposed to quote scripture without even knowing it. It's weird, I know, but it happens. And so on that day when she received that little styrofoam wafer, she miraculously called it by its true biblical name. What is this? Because on that morning when the Israelites woke up, still camping in the wilderness, still not very happy about it, still wondering when God was going to show up and do what God had promised, they woke up and they looked around at the ground about their feet and they saw that the morning dew had been burned away by the early sun and what was left behind with this weird flaky substance that apparently they were supposed to eat. And they looked at each other and they said in Hebrew, manna, which literally means, eh? What is this? What is this? It's grace. Pure, unadulterated grace. We know that manna is grace because of two details. The first is that there is no recipe for manna, and the second is that it is measured by the omer, the magic omer. There's no recipe for manna. What what I mean by that is at no point during Israel's history did a bunch of people sit around a table in the wilderness that was heavy laden with flaky manna and say, boy, this is just not the way grandma used to make it, right? Because grandma didn't used to make manna. No one makes manna. It's given by God. You didn't work for it. You didn't put it together. It just shows up. It's grace. And it is measured by this magical omer. Now, I would be inclined to think that the omer is like one of those old-timey Bible measurement words, you know, something we don't use anymore, but we imagine there's some sort of equivalent, you know, like a cubit, right? We don't use cubits, but we, we think it's about a half a yard or something like that. So an omer then must be some sort of measure of volume, right? We don't know what it is, but eh, a couple of cups, something like that. Maybe it's measured in grams because, of course, God would use the metric system. But it's something, right? Some measurement. But here's how the omer works. Let's say you wake up one morning and you're one of those industrious, you know, Protestant work ethic kind of families. And you get your whole family out of bed before dawn and and you go out there before anybody else and you gather and you gather and you gather and you gather as much manna as you could possibly gather. And you take it over to the measuring table and you pour it into the omer, whatever that thing is. And guess how much you and your family have gathered? One omer. Just enough for the day. To be fed, to be satisfied for one day. But let's say that on another morning, you're 
not able to get out of bed quite as early as he used to. Maybe the body is getting a little rusty in your old age. Maybe you're grief-stricken over a lost loved one. Maybe the test results didn't come back the way you thought they would, you hoped they would. Whatever it is, you're just not feeling it that day. You don't have the energy. You don't have the oomph. But you go out and you gather what you can, a little, whatever. And you bring it over to the table where we measure, and you pour it into the omer, and guess how much you gathered on that day? One omer. No more, no less. Enough for the day. So take that, all you half-Lutherans out there. You know what I mean. Those half-Lutherans who say, sure, it's grace, but you still got to work for it, right? You still got to do something. Well, really? It just comes by God's amazing and abundant grace day by day. Mortals eat the food of angels. God shows up. What is it? It's grace. Real, unadulterated grace. And it doesn't always look so shiny and bright. It doesn't always look super tasty. My spiritual director likes to say that the vast majority of gifts do not come in packages that look like gifts. You see, we've been enculturated to think that good gifts come in little blue boxes, right? Or whatever your favorite gift wrap might be. But that's not how most of the gifts that we receive show up. They're given to us in surprising ways by surprising people at surprising times. That's what grace is. You see, grace is a ten-year-old girl who cannot play the violin, who plays the violin on Sunday morning during worship. And a congregation of people endure four or five minutes of what sounds like a symphony of dying cats. And after church, ten beautiful saints of the church walk up to that little girl and they thank her sincerely for sharing her gifts with the community. And in that moment, she feels better about herself than she has ever in her life felt. And she knows that she is a part of a family where she belongs, where she is loved, just as she is. What is it? It's grace. Grace is when you, you plan for a Bible study for six months and you invite people and you put notes in the bulletin and, and you do all the preparation and you show up and, and only one person comes. And by any of the world's measurements, it's a total failure. But then you realize that you have just been given the gift of a whole hour in which to dig into the sacred scripture of one another's lives. And you walk away from that hour knowing more about each other and each other's journeys with Jesus and the presence of God's grace in their lives than you ever would have if 25 people had stayed to pour over scripture together. Grace is when you're looking for glory, but instead the stuff you really need shows up on a cross or in a crumb of bread or a tiny drop of juice.
that. That's grace. And this is what God gives to each and every one of us every single day. Back when I was a pastor in Denver, it was our practice to bake communion bread during Lent with the kids. It was part of our preparation for receiving communion during Holy Week that we would make the communion bread for Easter Sunday. Now, those kids in that congregation had many, many gifts. Baking was not one of them. Now, part of that was clearly my fault. I'm not much of a baker either, and you know, cut me some slack. It's high altitude. But we did our best, right? And so they made these loaves, and, and they looked revolting. This was not bread. They were kind of lumpy and misshapen and dry in some parts and kind of wet in others, and, and they had the sort of abstract rendering of the cross in the middle, and, and no one in their right mind would want to eat it. But by God, they made it, and so we were going to use it. So Easter Sunday came around, and and during the announcements, I, I, I told the congregation that the bread that morning had been baked lovingly by our First Communion students. I, I tried to make it sound like gratitude, but really it was a disclaimer. And so there we were. I was trying to break off pieces of this bread and distribute it. And I looked up and I saw a woman coming down the aisle. Now, her name was Dolores. Dolores is a gift of God to the church. She's always there. She always shows up. She always does whatever you ask her to do. Dolores has a lot to say about everything and is not at all ashamed to say it. Okay? I've never met anybody like that here. God bless Dolores. I looked up and I saw her coming down and my heart sank a little as I thought, oh man, here we go. So I gave her a piece of bread and and I said, Dolores, child of God, body of Christ, broken for you. And she looked up at me, and she held it in her hand, and I could tell from the look on her face that she was thinking, all right, I guess we're going to do this. So she puts it in her mouth, and I watch as for a couple of minutes, she and her dentures wrestled that piece of bread to the mat and just barely won. And she choked it down, and she walked back to her seat. After worship, I was shaking hands like you do, and, and I looked up, and I saw Dolores over in the corner, and she was talking to a little girl named Annabelle. She was six at the time. Annabelle was one of the girls who had made that bread, and I thought to myself, oh, crap. (laughs) She's telling her how bad that bread tasted. But then I saw, and she mouthed the words, thank you, and she gave Annabelle a huge hug. And then she came over to me, and she said, Pastor, I think... We should do that again next year. That was so great. What a gift that those kids gave us by making the bread for us to use on Easter of all days. I think we should do that next year. And I said, oh, I would love to, Dolores. Yes, absolutely. Me too. And she said, and can I help you bake it? (laughs) And I said, please, please do. What is it? It's grace. That's what it means to be a people gathered around simple gifts of water, wine, wheat, and the word. People who are bound to one another in a journey 
of receiving God's love, receiving God's grace, receiving God's gifts, in, with, and under stuff that sometimes is hard to recognize, but always bears the mark of God. People who know that when we lay our heads down to sleep at night and in our final hours, that on that day and every day, we have tasted the food of angels. We have received the full gifts of God's own presence. We have been visited by our Lord. Every day. Day after day after day. And thanks be to God for that. Amen.